0: everyone welcome to the point podcast everybody's doing well on this thursday um took to yesterday off just so everybody could absorb the uh, two-hour expansion draft podcast that i did with casey ward Seamus Fillmore, and dawson warman monday night if you haven't checked that out yet it's a lot of fun some laughs um we actually did pretty well with our picks um when it comes to seattle picking their team um, that's going to be a key point of today's podcast. Talk about that. Talk about some of the moves today. The Edmonton Oilers have been very active today. Um, some rumors regarding Taylor Hall, potentially linking back up in Boston. We have, um, some Seattle trades from last night that, have uh, kind of inner workings of the salary cap and protection of players. So we'll get into that. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks winning their first NBA championship in over 50 years, um, you know Giannis Antetokounmpo scoring 50 points in a closeout game, really one of the best performances in NBA Finals history. We'll get into that. They have they're having their parade as we speak, so a lot of fun in downtown Milwaukee. And you know it's tonight's the NHL draft, so a lot of um, a lot of intrigue. Hopefully that the draft uh, they don't have all their players and picks leaked before the event, and that's where I'm going to start today. Because normally, at least once a week, maybe some of you will say once a show, I go into a rant. And I think it's warranted. Some people might think it's a bit much. Most of the time, it's about COVID or just people being stupid. And last night was an opportunity for the National Hockey League. And the opportunity was, we're back on ESPN. We have a new 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken. New team, new opportunity, new market. Let's kick this off with a bang where, okay, before the draft, you knew a few picks in Vegas. You knew they were taking James Neal because he was a hot ticket in Nashville. They were fresh off a trip to the Stanley Cup final, and he was a superstar, and he was a great player at the time. Check. Okay, well, that's obvious. They're picking the flower, Marc-Andre Fleury, because who better to start a franchise with? You start from the net out, Marc-Andre Fleury was you know, getting replaced by Matt Murray at the time. I think Pittsburgh regrets that decision now, but nevertheless, he was obvious that he had a large cap number, but he was he's a good personality. It's a great way to start your franchise. Check. And the only other name that came to mind that was a guarantee was Derek England. And Derek England was a lock because he was a Vegas native. And why not bring a Vegas boy home? Sell that easily, threw an alternate captain on his jersey. He represented the team well until he recently retired, and th- those were gimmies, but those were the only really three picks that we definitively knew. And yesterday morning, I'm at work going through through my day, just you know giving it a solid eighty percent effort, and um, I get an I get some updates on my phone. Montreal Canadiens' Carey Price will not be selected by the Seattle Kraken. So I go, oh, okay. Well, okay. well, maybe child just said this. They want that out there. Okay. We know they're not picking carrier price, but we don't know who they're taking. So there's still some intrigue there. And the big intrigue would be, are you picking carrier price on the clock? But they didn't do it that way. So I'm like, okay, well, this is stupid, but it's not so stupid yet. Then about an hour later, then 20 minutes later, it's Seattle is selecting Kale Fleury from Montreal. Seattle is selecting Jared McCann from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're selecting Yanni Gord. They're selecting Joey Ducor. They're selecting Chris Trieger and on and on and on. And as the day went before, prior to the expansion draft, I believe there was two teams that we did not know definitively who the Seattle Kraken were taking credit to Detroit and Nick and uh, Steve Eisenman. Are actually giving us something, even though they took Dennis Swalski, But you can't control who the team's going to take. But this was such a failure by the NHL, and they should be embarrassed by what happened last night. Because I watched it. I'll admit, I watched the expansion draft. But we knew exactly there was no surprise. All the insiders were right. Good for you, Pierre LeBrun, uh, Frank Saravelli, uh, Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnson, whoever the hell you are. Good, good for you. Okay, you got some good pub, you got all your sources, they were right on the money. But the fact that they were leaked before just shows how incompetent and how porous the NHL is at marketing. How about use a platform? You're on national TV, on ESPN, and here in Canada, but ESPN is the mothership, the worldwide leader. You're back on it, finally. And your product is, we have a bunch of celebrities, Seattle celebrities that are here, but we already know the picks. So Bobby Wagner, Marshawn Lynch, um, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton. These picks were hollow because we knew them. The great thing about a draft is intrigue is, well, oh, they took him. What's going to happen with the next pick? And it's different because it's not, okay, it's not the NFL draft. where A quarterback goes here, oh, a team's got to to trade up. But they're still intrigued because on the clock, are they going to take Carey Price? Is Vladimir Tarasenko going to be selected by the Seattle Kraken? Where are they going to go? What direction is this franchise headed in? We already knew. We knew the Seattle Kraken was selecting a very young team. You don't think having Mark Giordano come on the stage as a surprise is a little bit of a better story. Your potential captain, but we knew it. And it's the NFL, the NBA, and even major league baseball who stink at marketing because their game is still slow. They do. I thought they were trying to improve the game. Now they're scaling it back. I the NHL still loves to fail when it comes to, Getting people to watch their sport. Yes, there are hockey fans who are going to watch this. But don't you want to get a new audience? NBC had their audience in the States. ESPN watchers are different than NBC viewers. Because guess what ESPN has? Football. Basketball. They just broadcasted the entire NBA finals. Do you think maybe you could get some of those millions of people that watch that, maybe they can get at least somewhat interested in hockey. Maybe. Nobody thought people in Southern California would ever be interested in hockey. But guess what? Wayne Gretzky did. Now it's a flourishing market. This is not just California. It's throughout the entire United States. Canada has its base. It will remain covered even though Sportsnet continues to lose money. We won't get into that today. But it's such a failure. And I I just look at Gary Bettman. I look at the NHL and I look at these insiders. And I get it. Your job is to report news. You want to get the scoop before X, Y, and Z. But last night should have been a night to shut the hell up. Who, Who loves watching a competition show where you know who's going to win? What the hell's the point? If we knew it was going to win every hockey game before it started, how many people would watch? Very little. Some parents wouldn't watch their kids game because They knew it was going to win. You could think it's a David versus Goliath, but maybe, Goli- maybe David can slay him. You're going to watch the game. Oh no, we know the, uh, the heavy favorite, you know, 10 to one favorite one, 12 to one. Who's tuning into that? This is essentially what that was. The fix was in. And I have a theory. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I know the inner workings of the game. And I can put two and two together here. See, insiders cannot report news unless they're told this news and it's backed up by sources. Most people don't just report from one source. So let's think. What does Seattle gain from having all their players leaked that who they're taking? Very little. If you ask me very little, it's your night. It's a spotlight night. Why have that ruined by, okay, we're taking this guy, this guy, this guy, who's tuning in. I just went through it. So if Seattle leaked this to Darren Drager, the Frank Valleys of the world, then Ron Francis, that PR team, whoever the hell leaked it, you're idiots. And your franchise is going down a bad road already because good luck getting people to sit in the seats, but I don't think it's Seattle. So I look at, well, Seattle had over 24 hours where they had the NHL by the short and curlies? They could sign any unrestricted free agent. They could negotiate with any unrestricted free free agent without a team even talking to their player. Gabriel Landeskog could have signed with Seattle yesterday. And Colorado could have done nothing to stop it. Zero. They had 24 hours of pure freeze they're playing freeze tag the other 31 teams are frozen they can't do a goddamn thing so what do we know about people people are petty a lot of people are anyway and i don't think some franchises liked the fact that seattle had the spotlight And we're sitting here, and yeah, we made $20 million, but you know what? They're taking one of our guys. They have all this pub, the new Seattle franchise, and we don't really like it. So how can we ruin their parade? How can we give them initiation, so to speak? Welcome to the league, little brother. Well, let's just leak who they're taking. And you could say, well, how do they know who Seattle's taking? They're having discussions. Seattle had discussions just like Vegas did. Okay, if you take this guy, are you going to take this guy? you sure? Could you take him? I'll give you a pick. That happened. Tyler Pitlick was traded today to Calgary because of this. So they got a pick for Pitlick. Worked out. But, so I, I believe in people being greedy, people being petty. That's just... I think that's human nature. We can all be petty little bitches at times. And I believe there's a lot of petty little bitches in NHL front offices, and they leaked who the Seattle Kraken were taking. They told Darren Draker. They told Elliot Friedman. And it ruined the night. Again, it's a big week in the NHL. Get the expansion draft. Get the NHL draft Friday, Saturday then you have free agency Wednesday. You have a week where you could dominate the news. The NBA draft is only a week from Thursday. So, again, that's when the NBA leaves frog the NHL. At least you have a little bit. Before NFL training camps open, at least get a foot in the door of ESPN, the markets down there. But you couldn't do it. And these people working for these companies – leaked all the news, and the night was ruined. And I think teams leaked it. If Seattle did, it doesn't make any sense. Why would they leak this news? And insiders aren't just saying, well, oh, the Boston Bruins are taking Jeremy Lozon. Because if they're wrong, they look like they look stupid, and they have to answer to their bosses, and they have to answer all of us who go on Twitter and say, ah, you idiot. No, they didn't. You're wrong. TSN sucks. So let me know what you think of my theory. But last night was a joke. It's another really bad night for the NHL. Um, it's just, I, th- I usually love Chris Fowler. Uh, he was on the panel last night. He worked he does college football. He does tennis for, uh, the, for the four letter. And um, he clearly knows nothing about hockey. Uh, It was awkward. He was reading a paper the whole night, didn't really know the names of the players. So he probably wasn't the best person to put on there. Put Steve Levy on the the stage. Put uh, Kevin Weeks with somebody else. But Chris Fowler, who normally nails it, uh, was weak last night too. So maybe he'll get better, but he wasn't the perfect. I I love him at everything else. Football, he's great tennis last night wasn't the perfect night for Chris Fowler to be on the stage because he just looked like he didn't know hockey like a lot of people who watch ESPN a lot of people who run ESPN now there's also who Seattle took in the expansion draft and there's some surprises for sure they went with a very young team um, a lot of unproven players quite frankly um looking at the top Boston Bruins they take Jeremy Lozon that's who I would have taken that's who I picked in my expansion draft uh podcast the other night he's not your biggest offensive you know workhorse but he's he can be a solid defensive player he will block some shots he's a big body that I think can only get better so I like the selection of Jeremy Lozon uh Buffalo's pick Will Borgen Really an unknown, hardly played in the NHL. And that's kind of a constant theme here. Uh, Detroit's pick, Dennis Swalski, is a guy who has some offensive promise, uh, but he's had very little NHL time. Again, they're banking on him, finding something, pivoting into a good NHL defenseman. But we'll have to wait and see if that translates and if he can do that efficiently. One of the big picks was Florida and selecting Chris Drieger. Uh, they signed him to a three-year, $3.5 million contract per year. Um, he's coming off a, a really good year in Florida. He's only made 54 career starts in the NHL. So he's had limited runway, but he was really their de facto number one last year. Sergey Bobrovsky was a mess. Drieger had to start a lot of key games down, in, down the stretch, including some of the playoffs. So he is a good goaltender. And... When they signed him, it kind of gave me a tell that they would not be selecting Carey Price because it's tough to sign a goalie for three and a half million and then take a guy on who's making ten and a half, unless you flip Chris Streger. But it looked—it always seemed to me like they wanted him as you know on day one of the roster, come night one, as a potential starting goaltender. But that brings us to Montreal as, as we're going down the Atlantic Division. They selected Kale Flurry. Solid defenseman. Um, still a guy who's unproven, who will likely get more of an opportunity in Seattle. Playing their top six, did not get that chance. In Montreal, was a healthy scratch. Some playing in Laval, so probably a good change of scenery for Kale. But the big decision is: well, Carey Price was sitting there, and they didn't select. I see this both ways. You know, Carey Price is 34 years young and he's got some physical issues including hip knee may miss time to start next season. He's coming off a great playoff run where he really helped propel Montreal to the Stanley Cup final and had the you know, the best run of his career. But again, he's hardly played in the last couple of regular seasons, one due to a personal issue, and the other due to an injury. So there is concern about him being a regular season goaltender and it's different from Seattle where you're going to need good goaltending all year to make the playoffs. Montreal played in that crap Canadian division this year where they could play lackluster hockey and you still have the Calgarys. You still have the Vancouver's where you're going to make the playoffs, even if you're playing C plus level hockey. So however, if I was, Ron Francis, if I was Seattle, I'm taking Carey Price. I mentioned Mark Andre Fleury. They're around the same age, and they took Fleury, and they got to a Stanley Cup final in their first year. Now, doesn't mean Seattle's getting there, but you build from the net out, and you can have sub, you can have decent goaltending win Stanley Cups. Of course, you might, uh talked about this with my dad the other day. You know, he mentioned they talked about on Overdrive how, you know, Braden Holpe and Jordan Bennington and Matt Murray and Corey Crawford aren't exactly stud number one goaltenders. But Vasilevsky was, Carey Price was, and they both got to a Stanley Cup final this past year with guys with both those goalies making over $9 million. So maybe this is going to be a new wave. Like g- having, Elite defenseman is more important. Having a, a number one defenseman is key to teams winning Stanley Cups, is, if you look back. But it would be nice to have day one that you, you start selling jerseys. Again, marketing. Carry Price. It would be one of the highest-selling jerseys in the National Hockey League. Because Montreal fans can't really be that mad. You know, Montreal left them exposed, too. They could have just said, no, Carey, you're staying here he goes to seattle i think a lot of people in vancouver are buying seattle kraken carrie price jerseys he's from the vancouver area he's you know he's a bc boy and i think some people are buying carrie price jersey and that spreads throughout canada he's one of the great one of the best canadian born players in the last decade in the national hockey league bar none um and does he have the personality of Marc andre Fleury? no he doesn't. He has Sydney Crosby's personality, which is moon mist. Uh, if you follow the show, you know that's basically wooden, or as some people would say, vanilla, but vanilla is the most sought after ice cream flavor in the world. Sales. And, um, you know, nobody's looking for Sydney Crosby or a Carrie Price interview or to market their product. Maybe Reebok, but they're out of business. Uh, so, but just having that presence, having that name, that number, it holds weight in the hockey world. They talked about Carey Price on Pardon Interruption in ESPN program the last two days. That would never, that doesn't happen often. But Carey Price has that much cachet. Just his play, just him being the figure that he is. One of the best players in the past decade in the league. So, it's a missed opportunity. I get it's a risk. It's a risk-reward. I would have taken the risk and taken Carey Price. It's a large cap hit. It's a lot of years. But after looking at what they did last night, they went pretty damn cheap. So they don't select Price. I disagree with it. Their next pick, the Ottawa Senators. They take Joey Decord. He's another guy who's mostly been an NHL goaltender that they're hoping can translate into a successful story. He played a few games last year and tore his ACL. So he'll be coming back off surgery, looking to make an impact. Brings us to Tampa Bay pick where you had some really good players. You had Andre Pallad available. You had, you know, Alex Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, but they ultimately select Yanni Gord, who, you know, Yanni Gord was the third line center for Tampa Bay last year. He was their little workhorse, the little ball of hate. Um He went from an undrafted player to one to one of the most sought after guys in this expansion draft. You could say the most sought after guy because he proved himself to be a playoff performer. He scored a game seven shorthanded game winning goal in the Eastern Conference Finals against the New York Islanders. This guy's a big game player. He's one of the fittest guys in the NHL and his work ethic will not be matched. He's a better Brendan Gallagher at this point. I think throughout his career, I think he'd be a better Brendan Gallagher. He's just got that bite to him. We learned after the expansion draft, he will be out to start the year with shoulder surgery, but I still think this is the correct pick. Um, He can play the middle of the ice. Looking at their team, he might be the number one center, uh, which is worrisome because he was just playing third line where he was really effective. I don't see a huge – I don't see that big of a jump in his game to be a first-line center. I think he'd be a second-line center. I said that yesterday um, to a few people. I think he's a second-line second line center potential, no doubt about it. I think you look at Tampa. Anthony Sorelli is their number two center. I think Yanni Gord can develop into that. 55, 60 points a season, really strong defensive play. But I don't see him being the number one guy. And that is a lot of pressure, and it can hurt a guy's career but being put in a situation where you're not supposed to be there. I can think of a couple teams that just seem to thrive and get a high on putting guys where they shouldn't be. Toronto Maple Leafs, this was, you know, of course, Toronto, you got to talk about this pick ad nauseum. Um, They traded last week for Jared McCann and from Pittsburgh. He had a really good year, but again, he's playing with some great players. So he had his career year playing with great players. Sounds like a good combination. And Toronto really acquired him so that Seattle would take him. And they did. And from Toronto's perspective, last night was a win because they keep Alex Kerfoot. They keep Travis Derman. You know, they keep the you know, pair of guys that helped them lose last year, um, which great. Um, but they might see this as a win. And it looks smart on Kyle Dubus' part. And it is, in a sense. But I don't see this as a win whatsoever. You acquired Jerry McCann. So you can keep Alex Kerfoot. Okay. Alex Kerfoot is a center. That's his position. If you go on NHL.com, it says center by his name. Yet, every time I flip on the TV, he's playing right wing. So who's your third line center? Who is it? Is it going to be Alex Kerfoot? Because that, I don't like anything about his game. He's fine. Regular season player. Fine. My capital F. Um, you get to the playoffs. He is muscled around. And I hate centers. That want to be centers, but yet they can't play it when you need them to the most. And that's what this guy is. Center Iceman plays center pretty much every game. He can't. Because in the playoffs, he's too small and he gets run around and then he you see these centers. Yanni Gord's a small guy, but guess what? He's got some of these. He's got what I don't have, a lot of muscles. He's not going to be pushed around. He's not going to be bullied like that. Kerfoot is like a skeleton. And not more than that, I've never heard a guy who gets so much publicity for doing nothing. Like, people say he's a very good player. Okay. If he's a very good player... Show me a really bad player and I'll compare them. I'll find similarities in both of them. Now, I'm not saying Alex Griffith's a very bad player, but he's closer to a very bad player than a very good player, in my opinion. See, you're sad to lose him and you, the $3 million, $3.5 million cap it? <sighs> because I think Seattle would have took him. If you didn't acquire McCann, he's gone. $3.5 million freed up where you can get a better version of Alex Kerfoot. Except maybe you can get a guy who can play in the playoffs. Or you lose Travis Dermott. Who's crying about that? He's a replacement-level player in NHL. Like, that's that's just a fact. He's, he's a 6th, 7th defenseman. He's a guy you can put in the press box, or he's playing 9, 10 minutes a night max. No power play, no special teams, just five and five to me. He's not a kid anymore. He's 24. He's played a lot of games in the league. And I don't see his ceiling growing that much. But if you hear Kyle Dubas' press conference today. they, They referred it to the last dance, which if you don't know the last dance, it was Michael Jordan, the documentary, 1998 Chicago Bulls where they they had won five championships they won three in a row Then jordan went to play baseball then they'd won two in a row they wanted to break up the team well they said they were they believe in this core well they haven't won anything they haven't won a playoff round this is the complete opposite from the last dance this is the last chance because how many times are you going to go to the well with these seeing guys that lose? So get rid of dance and we'll put the last chance. And maybe we have something here. Maybe we can market that. Maybe the NHL will really like that. Uh, do a documentary on it. But Dubas, he you, you seems smart. The media will eat that up. Alex Kerfoot fans, his mom uh, will soak that one in. But um, not very intelligent. If you ask me, you can have him. Um, I'll go quicker here. Carolina selects Morgan Geeky. I like him. I think he's got some offensive upside in his game. Columbus does not select Max Domi. Surprise me. Tells you how what this league really thinks of Max right now. His stock could not be lower. They select defenseman Gavin Bayreuther, another guy who's basically an AHL defenseman, but they're hoping can connect. New Jersey Devils select Nathan. Uh, they select from New Jersey Nathan Bastion, Another guy... From AHL to NHL, basically third, fourth line so far in his NHL career. And you see, so far, the constant theme is guys who are maybe going to get a bigger opportunity in Seattle, but have not proven a damn thing on the NHL level. Next two picks have more. You have New York Islanders, Seattle selected Jordan Everly. And I get this pick. Um, I would have went a different direction. Uh, Everly is a guy who's been through it all. He had, You know, a great start in Edmonton, but the team had no success and he battled through it, didn't complain, was a good soldier. Then he moves on to the Islanders. His role was constantly evolving, kind of morphed into a good second line winger where he wasn't asked to be the man anymore, like he was at the World Junior Hockey Championships. And he's he's paved a good career for himself. He's a good top six to top eight forward. And he had a decent playoffs last couple of years for the Islanders, and that might have Pupped them up, but you had Josh Bailey sitting there really the heart and soul of the New York Islanders. One of the underrated leaders in the sport. He's not a captain, but if Anders Lee wasn't there, I believe Josh Bailey would be the captain and he's only played for the Islanders, but he's got jam. He's a playoff guy. He's been through the battles. He goes up against that Crosby line a lot when they, when they play against each other. And I just see him as a clutch guy. He's a guy, another guy that you can sell. He's, again, he's not a superstar, but I think he's a better player right now than Jordan Everly is. And regardless of Capram, sometimes you just need to take the better player right now. And I don't think Seattle did, that, did enough of that last night. They took hopes, dreams, and Everly. I think, is more closer to the back nine than Josh Bailey is. So that worries me. Rangers pick I love. They selected from the Rangers, Colin Blackwell. Blackwell was acquired via waivers last year from the Nashville Predators, turned it into a career year, went on to play for Team USA at the World Hockey Championships. This guy's just a story of perseverance. He didn't give up. Going in the minors, having to battle his way to get back to the top and scoring goals, becoming a a clutch player, playing with good talent in, in New York. But at the same time, this guy will bring a compete level every night. He might not score the same amount of goals he did last year. That might be an anomaly. But he's going to give you an honest effort night in, night out. He'll mix it up if he has to. He, he brings a physical game, which Seattle really you know seemed to focus on last night. And they want to be tough to play against. Colin Blackwell will make it tough to play against. He's solid defensively, really good pick. Um, they take on the Flyers, Carson Tawanski, another guy who has something to prove. Um, their pick from Pittsburgh, Brandon Tanev. Another one I like. Um, Tanev is a junkyard dog. He's a guy that will hit anything that moves. That was said on the on the broadcast last night, 100% true. He's compete levels through the roof. He doesn't take crap from anyone. His size does not stop him from getting in the middle of dirty areas, he'll get to the net, kill penalties, block shots. And he just, he sets an attitude for this team from day one that I think Ron Francis really wants to set. And that's, we're big, we're strong, and we're not going to be pushed around. And Tanev is the embodiment of that. He's not the biggest dog in the fight. He's not, you know, the most skilled guy. He maybe shouldn't even made it to the NHL, but he worked his ass off to do it. And it's that work ethic, it's that chip on your shoulder that Seattle wants to implement. And by, you know, selecting a lot of AHL guys who maybe you'd say haven't got a good enough look or haven't been given the real chance, you know, it does make some sense that you're selecting a team full of guys that you can say, nobody believed in you, we do, go out and prove us right. So motivational speech wise, this team does make a lot of sense. From Washington, they selected goalie Vitek Vanacek, So That's another goalie added to their roster. Um, he started some games last year for uh, the Capitals, was injured in game one of their series against uh, the Boston Bruins. So he does look like a goalie with some promise. Um, selfishly, I hope now that you know Vitek Vandacek was selected by Seattle, this could open up a hole for Zach Vucali. Um, I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. Really great guy. They have some son off there, but a new backup goalie is, is needed. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington goes out and signs a veteran. That's something they love to do, but I would love to see Zach Ducali get a chance. If he can have a great training camp, maybe he can go out there and earn the job. Um, Vanacek will more than likely make this team for Seattle, but I, I just hope for Zach, who's was in Hershey last year, Washington's farm team, that he can go out to earn a job from training camp and, see what he can do next year is it would be an awesome story to see Zach uh, back, see him back, get back to the NHL and, uh, you know, hopefully get some starts next year for the Washington Capitals. Uh, From Arizona, they selected Tyler Pitlick. That was short lived as they traded Pitlick to the Calgary Flames today for a fourth round pick. Um, This was clearly a, a setup before where they get a pick, which is something they, they want to stockpile draft picks because that's what Vegas did as well. It's more picks you have, um, the more players you can select, and then you can trade your picks if they hit later to acquire, you know, elite talent like Vegas has with the likes of Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Petrangelo, just to name a few. So smart move there from Chicago. They select John Quinville, formerly of New Jersey. Um, looked like he was going to be a great player. Been playing in the minors. So, They're hoping he can find the game that he had in the, in the WHL, but that remains to be seen. Colorado, they select Jonas Donskoy. Uh, Donskoy had a great run in San Jose where he was a key contributor to them getting to a Stanley Cup final, getting to a conference final in his time there. They were uh, a really, a good team. And in, in Colorado, he did the same thing. Good playoff performer. He'll score you 17 to 20 goals a year in an 82 game season. So I, I like Don Skoy, um, a good pick. Again, a, a veteran guy who's been through battles in the playoffs, been through wars. He knows what it's like. And he's also got some skill at the NHL level that you can say, well, I know what he can do at this level. For some guys on this team, you really can't because they haven't been put in the position yet or shown that they can do it. Um, that brings us to the Dallas pick, Jamie Alexiak, who they then signed to a five-year deal at $23 million. I like this. Um, Alexiak former first round pick was Dallas's selection back in the day. He struggled throughout his career was then flipped to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh brought him in he helped Pittsburgh win a Stanley Cup in 2017 that summer he was then traded back to the Dallas Stars. So he's had a, a weird career where he you know went from Dallas to Pittsburgh back to Dallas and been in two Stanley Cup Finals. Um, really improved his game. Uh, he's brought more of an offensive flair, but he's still, he's six foot seven. He will line up and fight anybody. He's fought some of the biggest heavyweights in the NHL. He is um, a, still a strong defensive player, a good skater for his size. And I like the pick because he's, he's valued. You know, Dallas did not want to lose Jamie Alexiak. That was reported, but it's business. And sometimes it's just, well, we don't want to give them more prospects, more of this. We have to accept losing Jamie right now. And for Seattle, again, they're building a strong defense score. We'll get to Adam Larson in a minute. But they, with their selections, they're building big D. Lozan's not a guy who's going to get pushed around. Kale Flory, we'll see. But you look at Alexiak, the next pick from Minnesota, Carson Soucy. These guys are both big, strong defensemen that can play. They play heavy games. And they're more of a, uh, you know, you think of them as playoff defensemen more than anything because their offensive game is not what comes to mind first, but the ability to block out to protect the, protect the house, so to speak, is what comes to mind. Two calling cards when it comes to Alexiak and Carson Soucy. Um, the Soucy selection was surprising to me. I thought they would take Kapokakkanen from Minnesota. Um, had a really strong year last year, um, really a breakout star. They had him and Cam Talbot did not start in the playoffs, but he's a guy that I think can morph into a starting goaltender. You look at Alex in Carolina. I'll get to that trade later, but he's a guy that was an AHL goaltender. You give him a chance after a few years, he shows out. And I think Kakanen would have been a good guy to add here because you're in your first season. I do think there's more pressure than people think on Seattle, but at least give him some starts. Maybe you can see, is this guy a number one goaltender? Is he a platoon? You really know what his status is as an NHL goaltender. You know where he stands. And I assume a big, strong defenseman, but I would have taken Kakanen and you know had had some more goalies. And even if you want to trade him, because then think his value is through the roof right now, then you have that option. You get more draft capital. You get another player. You do something, but you improve your roster. And then you go from there. Nashville, they selected Callie Yarncroke, a guy who's got some skill. He'll put up, you know, 30 points a season. Uh a Swedish player who has bounced around the game, but he's got some skill. He's got some speed. So, again, you need some of that in this lineup that's kind of lacking. So, the pick there. From St. Louis, they take another defenseman, uh, Vince Dunn, who – who has been rumored to be traded for a number of years now from St. Louis, really ever since they won the Stanley cup, but he's still there still a really productive player, but um, good pick for, for Seattle. He will play in their top six. I could see just looking at their defense score. Wouldn't be surprised to see him be on either of the power play units. Uh, And he's got a lot of offensive uh, firepower with an opportunity to be on the top power play unit to get frontline minutes that he wasn't getting to St. Louis with the likes of Pareko, Petrangelo in front of him, maybe Krug, uh, maybe this is an opportunity for him to really show he can be a top four defenseman. He can be a guy that can put up 40 to 45 points a season. And he really just hasn't had that opportunity in St. Louis to this point. Winnipeg, uh, they selected Mason Appleton. He's a guy who's a third, I think he's a really good third line winger, Um, checking line guy. I see a guy, this guy's another playoff performer. And the guy that's not going to give up on pucks, he's a workhorse. He'll play anywhere you want in the lineup. He can move up and play with other players. But I think at his, the best at his essence, he put Appleton on the third line. He will, he will play heavy. He'll play tough minutes and, you know, be just a really efficient player. for you don't have to worry about him being out of position, being worried. This guy is strong on a stick. He's physical as well, so he fits the mold of Ron Francis' team. Now, the pick I was probably most excited about was Hayden Fleury. Now, Hayden Fleury was originally drafted by Carolina. The GM at the time was Ron Francis, went seventh overall. And it didn't go exactly a Hayden Fleury plan. He did get some minutes at the NHL level in Carolina. But he played a lot in the AHL. When he did come up, he was in and out of the lineup. And forever, I thought, this guy's got more to give. You looked at Noah Hannafin, and I said, well, I like Hannafin in Calgary, but you know his ceiling. He's not an offensive guy. He's, if you can play solid defensive hockey, he's, a, he's an efficient player. I think Hayden Flurry is more of a guy that can find more of an offensive game, given the opportunity. I mentioned Vince Dunn. I think Fleury needs that chance. Drafted that high, he gets traded to Anaheim late in the season. And he got an opportunity to play bigger minutes on a bad team. And he showed that he can play. And looking at this defense score, Alexiak's not going to play power play, more than likely. Bayer Uther, I don't think he's going to be in the NHL. Cale Flurry, who knows? Dennis Kowalski, he's been a productive NHL defensive. I think Hayden Flurry versus Vince Dunn in training camp will be a battle to see who can get power play time. Because Hayden Fleury is going to get a look like he's got all the potential to be that seventh overall pick that he once was, to be a really efficient player. And maybe Seattle's the location to do it. He's a guy that you're going to learn a lot about him. I mentioned Zach Fucali. He's been through a lot in his career. Talked about it in my interview with him, how there's dark days, but you overcome it. Now, Hayden Fleury has never really bounced to the East Coast League but he's not playing top four minutes. He's not, you think seventh overall, the guy's going to be playing top four minutes, stay with that franchise forever. He's on his third franchise by the age of 24. So how does Flurry react to this? This is a huge opportunity. Ron Francis originally drafted him and is now giving him another chance here in Seattle. What will he do with it? Again, I think his hockey IQ is through the roof. He's got a good, really good wrist shot. I think he can join the rush. And I think he can be a power play guy. And he's not just a power play guy that's going to feed other guys. He's got a shot from the point that can be lethal. You see, there's so much less of that right now. I mentioned the power play with defensemen, how I hate, you know, more than one defenseman being on it. They don't shoot the puck anymore. No defenseman has got a slap shot or even a wrist shot that scares you. I think flurry has got a good shot. And that could be a really big asset to the Seattle team. So of all the players, of all the chances, you know, the hopes and prayers that they took last night, I think Hayden Flory is my favorite one because I see it in him. He's got more to give there. And I really hope for his sake, playing with his brother, maybe that can spark something. He can find that and bring it to the Kraken because he's got a lot of potential under the surface and hopefully it just, you know, bubbles up for him. Um, The next pick, the Calgary Flames, this was really the obvious pick of the expansion draft. They select their captain, Mark Giordano, and Mark. I said a, another guy who can sell the narrative that I think Ron Francis is going for. Well, you know, you nobody believed in you. You had to work your way here. Giordano was undrafted, had to play East Coast, had to play overseas, and finally got a look with Calgary and played there for you know over ten seasons, a long time. Was a captain, replaced. Jerome McGinla as captain. That's not easy. You know, there's replacing a captain, like there's replacing Saku Koivu with Brian Gianta. No offense, Saku Koivu, good player. But Jerome McGinla is a hockey hall of famer. He's one of the best captains, I think you could argue, in the history of the game, one of the most beloved people in Calgary. And Giordano did it seamlessly. Not only did he do that, but at the advanced age of 37, he won the Norris Trophies, the best defenseman in the NHL. This guy's still got game. Still got game. And, sorry, he won that 35. He's 37 now. So 35 years old, winning that award. That's pretty damn impressive. And this was a no-brainer. I've heard rumors that they're going to trade Giordano. I get it. If you get a really good package, sure. Teams are going to want Mark Giordano on their team. But I think it makes a ton of sense to keep him. Because he was just a captain. Put the C on his jersey next year if you decide to keep him. Because I just mentioned all these players. Who is your cap? Who's who's selling? It's not gonna be any of the picks I named after Mark Giordano. You need somebody to sell this team. I think Gio can do that because he's a personal guy. He's a captain. He's an older veteran, a warrior of the game, been through it all. And he can sell the narrative that I think Ron Francis is trying to tell us, tell his team. And this was an obvious one. Again, I think Kara Price would have been a good pick too. But Giordano was sitting there. He still got game. Calgary left him exposed. They clearly want to go in a younger direction. But for Seattle, you've got a ton of young pieces. You need a mentor. You need a guy to guide them that they can talk to and practice. Giordano was that obvious selection. And I think it's a great pick. And I think he'll help the likes of Vince Dunn, Hayden Flurry, Kale Flurry to say, this is what you have to do to get to this level or to advance in the game, to not be an AHL fringe NHL player. This is what needs to happen for you to move up those ranks. So, Good selection. We'll see if Seattle ultimately keeps Giordano, but I like the move. And to me, he should be a Seattle Kraken next year. They then took Adam Larson from the Edmonton Oilers, who they signed to a four-year, $16 million deal. Great deal. Um, You know, Adam Larson, he is what he is. He's not going to be an offensive guy. And a lot of people have a problem with that. If you can't put up 35 to 40 points anymore as a defenseman, you're no good to anybody. That narrative is stupid. I've never understood it, but it continues to be shoved around that you need to be an offensive defenseman. You need to be in the Norris race to really be an effective guy. Adam Larson might get 15 points. Might. But he's solid defensively. He's mean. Again, he's like Alexiak. He's like Susie. Their decor is not easy to play against. And that's at least one thing they can say. We have a lot of forwards who we don't know what they're going to be. But their top six, if it's Giordano, Larson, Fleury, Dunn, Alexiak, and Kale Fleury, that's not an easy D to play against. And then you got Lausanne sitting there. So there's going to be competition. And they, their next pick they selected, Curtis McDermott. He's a guy that's played in NHL. Again, this guy's six five, full of piss and vinegar. So you have eight defensemen on this roster that you could argue, a good argument. They're NHL players. I like that. That's one thing less I can say. They're forwards. I could have did without some of them. I would have selected goaltenders in their place. But, you know, it's, they selected a tough defense score that's not going to be easy to play against. And that I salute them for. Because if you're going to come in the league, you don't want to be shoved around. You know, if, if you had teams leaking your roster last night, Opening night, when you play Vegas, when you play against Vancouver in your home opener, give it to them early and say, Yeah, we're new to this league, but you're not coming in here and punching us in the mouth. We'll punch you in the mouth and like it and continue to do it because you can't do anything about it. So I like the way they constructed their D court. They have options, they have an open competition. Will every D be there come the start of the season? Probably not, but I like that they have defense that are gonna to have to work in training camp to get roster spots. That's a good thing. Can't just be a cakewalk where you know the six and it's hunky-dory. A lot of these guys, Geo's a lock, Larson's a lock, I think Alexiak. Vince Dunn, you're not a lock to play. McDermott, no. Hayden Flurry, no. Kale Flurry, no. Lozant, no. So you need to come in and impress, show what you can do. And I like that that's how they built their team. They wrapped up their selection. San Jose, they took Alexander True, who unlikely to come over and play North America. Uh, he's been playing overseas the last number of years. So, And they, from Vancouver, they selected Cole Lind, who was a great junior player, only 22. So maybe he can still find, his, wasn't getting a lot of opportunity in Vancouver. So if he moved to Seattle, different change of scenery, maybe he can find a spark that he had in junior and become you know a top nine forward for the Seattle Kraken. Um, so that like I said, that was their roster last night. They lose Pitleck, so they lose a player to Calgary uh and trade today. I'm still let you know uh, during the podcast if anything else comes out with them trading players uh or making moves. Cause I do think there were some moves today when it comes to um when it comes to getting guys that are uh trading guys or getting people to keep. So we'll see. Um But there was other news today. I was going to leave with Zach Hyman, but I'm not going to because I like something else a little more, and I think it's more interesting. Um, Carolina, one of the cheapest organizations in pro sports, Carolina Hurricanes, they traded 25-year-old rising star goaltender Alex Nedeljkovic to the Detroit Red Wings. And Nedeljkovic has had limited time in the NHL. A lot of time playing for the Charlotte Checkers, but last year he emerged as their number one goaltender. Heo played Peter he Heo played James Reimer, and became the their man in the crease. He started playoff games for them against Tampa. Against uh, in the first round, you know, he was their guy. And what did they do? Well, they he's an art unrestricted free agent, so you know he, they basically have his rights. But today, in a surprise to me, they trade Nadalkovich to the Detroit Red Wings for a third round pick. And J- Jonathan Bernier's rights. Bernier's going to be an unrestricted free agent, so they'll have a few days to negotiate with him. But this is essentially them saying, Well, Alex, you're a really good goaltender right now, but we don't we can't pay you what you think you're going to be because it's too big of a gamble. I get it in a sense. But it's just reported that Nadalkovich has agreed to terms on the two-year contract with Detroit for $3 million annually. Carolina, I get it. You're cheap. You have your way of doing business. But you sign Alex Nadalkovich two years at $3 million. The way this guy's going, that's going to be such a luxury in about 20 games in the next season. Because – Look what else you have in your roster. James Reimer, unrestricted free agent, likely not coming back. Peter Mrazic, unrestricted free agent, who was replaced by Alex Nadalkovich last year, likely not coming back. And if he is, you're getting a lesser version of Alex Nadalkovich. is a better goalie than both those guys. You acquire Jonathan Bernier, who I like. I think he's been, you know, he's been great in Detroit for being on a terrible team on the biggest rebuilding franchise the last two, three years, he's battled, he's got good numbers, had his tough go in Toronto, but he's overcome that, he's shown he can battle through adversity. But is he better than Ndokovic? No. Plus, Ndokovic is seven years younger. Carolina, you need to spend money sometimes, and $3 million is not a whole lot of money. This is, it's reported he wanted 3.5 from Carolina. Give him the 3.5. It's just so frustrating to me. For, if I'm a Carolina Hurricane, if I'm Rob Brendamore, we should be in the cup conversation again next year. Yes, we're losing Dougie Hamilton, but we still have a really, really good team. Can Jake Bean take, a next, take the next step? Can Nadolkovich, could he have, taken the next step? Jordan Saul keep going. Trocheck, we kept Niederreiter. We have a lot of our veterans who played well last year. We're going to be back. Slavin, Brett Pesci, healthy. The works. Oh, Shveshnikov, let's go. Let's challenge Tampa Bay. They're going to be worse because they're losing guys left and right. But you let the restricted free agent goaltender go to Detroit. I just think this is such a mistake. He has so much promise to be a really good goalie. And if his numbers suck in Detroit the next couple of years, that doesn't tell me that he's a bad goalie. Because Again, you're playing for Detroit. They're not going to be a winning organization. But for Carolina, who are you replacing Nadalkovich with? The goalie market is not littered with high-end starters. Are they going to go sign Freddie Anderson? I doubt it. But is Freddie Anderson an upgrade over Nadalkovich right now? Nadolkovich can stay healthy. Freddie Anderson is hurt every year for large portions of the season. So where does that go? I look at this deal and I say, Good for Detroit, you know, you get a get a goalie. And I just think it's incredibly frustrating if you're a Carolina Hurricane fan to say, yeah, we're cheap as hell, but you're gonna give, you're just giving away Nadakovich for Bernier, who we might not even keep in a third round pick. Great. It just it's not a good look, and I think it's bad. I just think it's a really bad move by by, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Win now. Be relevant now. And clearly they have other ideas. Because I think this is a Rob from Detroit. They they clearly want to be a more competitive team. They have the seventh pick in the draft tomorrow night. So they're not going to be an elite team. But you at least have a goalie that you can say, well, let's see what this guy can be. When we're better in a couple of years, when Maurice Sider, when hopefully Philip Sedina, when they hit, we have a guy in our system that's ready to be there. We'll sign into a new contract and, you know, let's do it. But incredibly frustrating. And uh, I'm just confused by the trade. Good for Detroit for locking him up the second they get him. But for Carolina, this has got to be, this is a frustrating day because whip out the pocketbook a little bit because I don't see much upgrades out there on the goalie front. Nadolkovich is 25. He's blossoming. He's only getting better start by start. And I just, I just think you threw away a really good opportunity to, to get better. Um, Zach Hyman. It was reported all day that Zach Hyman is going to be an Edmonton Oilers. He's going to the Edmonton Oilers. He's either going on a seven year or eight year deal, depending on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, It'll be a seven-year deal with the Edmonton Oilers if he just signs an unrestricted free agent. So if the Leafs aren't involved, he'll sign for seven years, likely in the $5.5 million range, which is more clearly than Toronto is willing to spend or the years they're willing to give him. So he gets that. He'll get an eight-year deal at around $5 million if the Toronto Leafs police get involved with this and they, it becomes a sign and trade. How does this benefit Toronto? Well, Toronto would sign Hyman and they immediately trade them to Edmonton, and they would get some, get a piece or get a draft pick in return. Toronto, just for reference, has three draft picks this year. They only have three draft picks next year. So acquiring draft capital would be important for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there go. Advantageous for them to get involved here. No. Is the third-round draft pick going to play next year? No, but it doesn't hurt to start helping your farm system which is basically one of the worst in NHL right now. It's not littered with much talent or guys pushing through to the next level. So beyond that, I really like Zach Hyman. Really good player, compete level out the wazoo, team guy, you know, it's hard not to like Zach Hyman. However, this is Kenny Holland making it difficult in general managers to not have their owners get involved in these type of things. And here's what I mean by that. Kenny Holland has two years left in his contract. I believe he's 70, 70 70-something years old. He's not going to be a general manager in the NHL much longer. So he knows, I'm going to do what I can to try to win right now. Screw whoever's behind me. If I have to sign Zach Hyman for eight years, I'll do it. And Zach Hyman 30 years old. Does that mean to be 38 when his contract's up? And he's not exactly a superstar that warrants getting an eight year deal or seven or six for that matter. No, I get it. You're throwing caution to the wind, but I don't say that. Oh, okay. Well, he'll just be on long-term injury reserve or we'll buy him out in four years. That's not a good option because you have dead cap against your, against the team for years to come. If you If you go down that road, like that's not, it's not a success to say, well, we're signing him for eight years so we can buy him out in four. And is this team ready to win? Who's their starting goalie today? They re-signed Mike Smith. Mike Smith was a great story last year. Surprised me, but the guy's going to be 40 years old and they just re-signed him to a two year deal. 1.5 this year, two and a half the year after Still got Koskinen on your books right now. I suspect they will buy him out, uh, either buy him out or, or, you know James Neal. But what? Where, where's the goalie? Who who are you winning with? Is it Stuart Skinner, who's only played a handful of games in the NHL? Are you gonna resign Tyson Berry? You just lost Adam Larson. Are you gonna go big game hunting and get Dougie Hamilton? There's question marks, and I look at Hyman and say, "Yeah, I think he'd be great playing with Connor McDavid. I think he'll play with him from puck drop next year, and he'll probably be good in the first couple of years. But you can't just look short term. There's teams that like to look short term. John Tavares' contract was short term thinking. Kyle Dubas thought we can win a Stanley Cup." in the next two to three years. Now, has he been proven wrong yet? No, because Tavares is still a good player. Is he an elite player? No. But as that contract ages, it gets worse and worse. It's harder to smell. And it's just thinking, you know? And I think Hyman's deal is a hindrance right now. for damn, It's crazy um, that it's that length to me the fact that you couldn't get him at five at five I, I don't think the free agent market's giving him more than five and a half if somebody gives him six million more power to him. really good player love his work ethic but i'm not giving him that much just to say face just to say i did it you know so we'll see but um Congrats to Zach Hyman, but I don't see that as a win for the Edmonton Oilers. Some other news today, um, New York Rangers signed, recently acquired Barkley Goodrow to a six-year, point, $21.85 million deal, which is $3.6 million a season. Great contract. This guy will likely put up 10 to 12 goals in the regular season, maybe 30 to 35 points, but we just seen what he did in the playoffs. He's a playoff performer. He played on the third line with Coleman and and Gord, and they delivered. He scored three goals in the Stanley Cup final in five games. Those are clutch goals. And going to a New York team who's on the cusp of winning, these are the type of signings that make a ton of sense. You say, okay, can we get another one center? Is Jack Eichel potentially on the horizon? We got our depth in place. We got Kako. Hopefully Lafreniere can get better this next year. We got a Norris Trophy winner and Adam Fox. What's next? And I think adding a guy like Goodrow with Stanley Cup prowess with a winning mentality makes a whole lot of sense for the Rangers, who are on the verge of becoming a really good hockey team. Um, Shane Spare was traded for a set, was traded to the Arizona Coyotes, Philadelphia defenseman, for a second rounder and seventh rounder today. Uh, sorry, he was traded to Arizona with a second-round pick and a seventh-round pick to Arizona for nothing. And I repeat that, nothing. He was traded, a second-round pick, and a seventh-round pick to Arizona for cap space. I feel like got nothing in return. What they got is him off their books. He's owed $9 million over the two over the next two years. Arizona will have to eat that. He's Shane Gosses bear, when he first came into the league from NCAA – He was seen as the next great phenom. And for a cup of coffee, he was. He was the Jeremy Lin of the NHL. He had people by storm. It was the ghost. Lin Sanity. You know, it was was a ton of fun. And he had a good three, four weeks. Got a big contract. And since then, it's been a nightmare in Philadelphia. See, so far this offseason, they've moved the ghost. They traded Philip Myers. They've added Ryan Ellis. Philly's one of the more interesting teams to watch this offseason for me because what do they do with Drew? What do they do with Vorchek? Can they get rid of JVR? Who's backing up Carter Hart? You can't If they come back next year with Giroux and Vorchek, number one, I'm going to have to grill them on this podcast, which I don't want to do, but I will because I have to. They're, they're in the same position as the Calgary Flames. If Calgary comes back with Drew, Goodrow and Monaghan, then you deserve to lose and battery living should have been fired a couple years ago. You will be fired. Cause that team's not winning, but you get rid of a bad contract. You free up some cap room. Arizona's got all the cap room. They need, they need to get to the floor. They get some more draft picks. So it's a win-win in that sense, but NBA finals. I'll get into that tomorrow. Um, that's still there. Uh, but You know, I just went through that, basically the expansion today, and that takes up a ton of time and we'll see what other moves happen before the draft tomorrow, uh, beyond here tomorrow afternoon, um, to talk about all those interesting things, but I hated the expansion draft. Hopefully they can do something better with it moving forward. Um, and you know, not just that, but hopefully the draft's better tomorrow. It's at least somewhat interesting. So everybody have a great day. I'll talk to you before the draft tomorrow. We'll talk NBA Finals tomorrow. We'll get into any other news in the world of sports. Maybe talk some Aaron Rodgers as well as NFL training camps are starting to commence. So have a great day. Take care and we'll talk soon.